Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. Welcome in. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We have a co-host in town, baby. Let's go. It's going to be a great morning. Cody Tapp is sitting in with us all morning today. Or not all morning, but the first, first, hour, first hour of yeah. the show, which basically feels like all morning. Cody Tapp, how are you doing today, my friend? Not bad. Taking a uh, break from my very busy off-season schedule of doing mostly nothing. Baking every yeah, baking. four hours or so. That it feels like I've seen you make 27 different variations of some sort of bread. Yeah. There's a lot of, <laughs> I've cooked two. There's some other, like, savory dishes. But baking is the, the primary, I guess, time killer during my... My off-season anyway. And I brought any in, so I'm like the worst co-worker ever. So I'm curious here. And we're going to get to, we got a lot of baseball to get to with Cody. We're going to do that. Plus, I want to talk some Chiefs with him as well, because Cody's not just a Royals guy. He does live here in Kansas City, and so he does pay attention to Kansas City Chiefs during the fall as well. the last four consecutive years. And so. we do have Matthew Collar. He is a host for Purple Daily, if you would guess. He is somebody that covers the Vikings. So we'll have him coming up at 1030. We've got a lot to get into this morning, but... Before we get into any of that, I do have a question on your job. Okay. So you're, you cover the baseball team. That is your day-to-day life. So when the baseball team isn't playing baseball, what do you do from, like, when you wake up to when you go to bed? Well, for the first, like, this year, I watch playoff baseball for a while. But once baseball officially ends. So you watch pay- playoff baseball, but is that due to pleasure or is that due to? No, I love baseball. Okay, so, like, so I that's enjoy, pleasure, right? Yeah, I enjoy watching baseball. My kid, my three-year-old, which is part of how I spend my time, the last two mornings in a row, the first thing she said was, we watch baseball? I was like, ah, we can't watch baseball. I'm sorry. Oh, we watch baseball? That hurts. I'm like, not going to happen. I'm sorry. We're going to have to watch something else today. <laughs> we can't watch baseball. So I do enjoy watching it. Sure. Um, but the rest of it is just like, I don't know, kids take up some time, and then I bake. I find ways to fill the time. You play poker, whatever. It doesn't matter. You have a tremendous job is what I'm trying to say. It's like Like, being a teacher. I just take some months off. Kind of. But even during the season, your job is like, let me be very clear. Cover baseball every day. Cody's job are difficult hours. It can be very frustrating. You have like, you're watching a game that may last like seven hours. Like, who knows when it's going to get over. You're typically working at night. And so it's difficult for families. Like, I get it. There are certainly some downsides to your job. But this time of year, I'm not sure there's a better job at Intercom Radio than being the Royals insider. No, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty certain, actually. At this. No, it was I, today. It was like, hey, it wasn't Cody. You need to come in and host with Brandon for an hour. We'd like a second person on there. It was, hey, would you like something to do? <laughs> like, you know what? Sure. Saturday yeah, morning for an hour. Why not? All right. So that being said, and you guys can get involved in the show, the Protein LC with the Purpose X line 69306. We can get some of your questions later on this morning with Cody as well if we want to do some rapid fire that way. Uh, you can hit me up. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Cody is at Cody B. Tap on Twitter as well. This week, you actually did do some work. Like yeah. we, we told you, hey, it's time to take off the sweatpants, time to take off the hoodie. We actually need you to go out to Kauffman Stadium because there is a press conference. I had to iron pants. Oh, it's the worst. That's when you know it's real. So, 
Mike Matheny was introduced as the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. I have made my thoughts on the higher known. I was not a huge fan of it, but I will say I am interested to see how this goes based on what we heard from him at the press conference. So you were there. You asked some of the questions. I thought you asked the question of the day, which was, what has Mike Matheny learned since he was the manager in St. Louis, since he got fired from St. Louis? I want to play this because I want the listeners to hear it. I want to react on the other side because this is the first time where I was like, okay, I'm interested to see what happens from here. Here's Mike Matheny on what he learned since St. Louis. Yeah, it's been nothing but learning. And uh, I feel that uh, there are people that either grow or they're stuck. And uh, for me, right away, just trying to be an honest evaluator where I was, try to get as much feedback as possible. Um, I, I talk with Dayton a lot about you know blind spots. I need to identify the blind spots and so I don't make the same mistakes twice, And whether that's tactically or whether it's relationally. Um, and, and there's a number of things that were, were worked on. Um, but o- overall, it was starting with uh, relationships and it was starting with, Okay, how can I how can I get better on my own personal growth? So, uh, I was back in school uh, learning some more. Uh, got into some some of the analytics courses, trying to figure out ways to what's next, what's uh, what's on the horizon, what, what what's outside the box, um, those sort of sort of sort of things as well as um, working on dealing with you all, and that's something that I was very conscious with and uh, figuring out how to bring in a media consultant that could help me uh, understand and do a better job of relaying. Um, the message that we need to be relaying to our fan base. Uh, that's the lifeblood of what we do and how do we use our jobs and help each other do that job properly to keep people passionate about this organization. Okay, so what I love about the answer, a lot of the times when you ask somebody, hey, what have you learned since X, right? They would tell you, well, you know, I've learned a lot. It's been a great experience. It's been, I've, I've learned a ton. And really, they, they give you nothing. They just say, I've learned a lot. With Mike Matheny, he said, here are the three things that were an issue with me in St. Louis. Relationships, analytics, and the media. And by the way, that's what people in St. Louis would say. He's he's correct. All of those things are absolutely correct. Those are three things. Like, if you've listened to me on The Drive, weekdays 2 to 6 right here on 6th and Sports Radio, those are probably the three things that I've brought up most often in terms of the issues that he's had. Now, I would add in, and maybe this kind of goes back to the analytics, but I would also add in bullpen usage but another conversation for another day those are three of the biggest issues that he had in st louis and then he brings up here's how i'm trying to correct them relationships i've been back in school basically dayton moore has talked to me about how to be better with the relationships it's a good guy to learn from when it comes to relationships analytics he apparently took an online course on analytics we'll see if it works out but that's a good way to continue to learn that way in media he brought in a consultant listen i don't know if any of this is going to work I don't know if those things are going to be enough to correct the wrongs, to correct the issues that he had in St. Louis. But I do like that he knew exactly what the issues were, and he apparently has found ways to try to correct those issues. I, I do like hearing that from him. The, of course you do, because admitting mistakes is a really difficult thing to do and not something that all managers, in baseball in particular, are really adept at. Football coaches go to a fault like, oh, my God, I'm such a dummy. I couldn't solve any of it. Look at all these mistakes, and I'll, I'll surely fix them. Andy is a good example of yeah. that. But a lot of NFL coaches are like that. But when, like, the thing that stands out, like, when you're listening to him talk about the different parts of the analytics courses and the things that went wrong for him, I at least like the headliner still being working in relationship. Like, well, first, 
I probably have to work with how I do with people. And that's directly related to some of the rumors that cycled coming out of St. Louis when he was leaving. And, you know, he talked about, too, about being out of the clubhouse and not wanting to be in the way and not getting in the way of the players and just trying to be on the sideline and stay out of it for a little bit, which I think is important because when he's, if, if this is going to work, and you and I don't know, I think that there is a little over-negativity. Sure. I, I've told him before, like, you know, if it were me, like if I were going to make the hire, I would have hired Grafal because I knew he had a really good relationship with the players already. I already knew that he liked the analytics side of baseball, which I do as well. I knew his role within that organization. I would have probably gone Grafal. But that being said, Matheny did win. There is no, like, yeah. he gets some credit there. I know people in St. Louis would be like, well, he drove it into the ground. I'm like, yeah, terrible. All those playoff appearances in a row. Just the worst. But there is, and he got pool holes pulled from him in the middle of that stint. So it is kind of more difficult than sometimes it's made out to be. For me, that whole, like, the, the one thing I have to be sure, like, if he still didn't like analytics and overuse bullpen arms, boy, I never. Not once this year did Ned overuse a bullpen <laughs> arm. I didn't watch Willie Peralta rolled out there for five months consecutive sure. getting knocked around or Boxberger, whoever you want to name. He was da- he was faulty there too, right? I mean, you can be faulty in a bullpen usage and be different than others. You don't have to be the Astros and issue zero intentional walks for the entire regular season, right? There's different sides of that. But for me, being able to handle players and some mix of old and new matters more than any of it. And I actually got some, I got a feeling in there that that actually matters a lot to him, which is when I walked out of that press conference feeling better than I did walking in. And that's all I wanted. Like, the, the only thing Matheny can do right now to win anybody over is say the right things because they're not playing baseball right now. We're not going to see how he is tactically. We're not going to see how he's working for guys like you that actually cover the team on a day-to-day basis. He did the whole media tour yesterday. And good, God bless him for it, right? Like, And he's good at it. That's the thing is, like, when he wants to put his good face on and when he wants to be the front-facing guy of the organization that's out there saying all the right things, he's really good at it. Like, you're going to hear him over the next few months, and he's certainly going to be made available because they want to make sure that going into next year before some of the losses start piling up, there's at least a warming-up presence to Mike Matheny. Like, that's what they're going to try to do with him, and he's really good at it. He's, he's likable. He is easy to listen to. He is a pretty bright guy. Like, he's going to be somebody that, on the surface, a lot of Royals fans, if they didn't have the prior knowledge of what happened in St. Louis, would probably really like. This would have been a hire that if they made it when the Cardinals did and he didn't have the previous history in St. Louis, I think a lot of Royals fans would be like, yeah, that's a really good hire. He's really likable. He's a dude that was a really good player in the MLB. Like, he's got a lot of a lot of things, a lot of qualities I will say this as well. He is absolutely qualified. And that's something that for a lot of the hires across Major League Baseball, you can't necessarily say that about the manager. Well, he that- is qualified for the job. Now, you can disagree on whether or not he should have had the job, but he is qualified to get this job right now. I, you know what's funny, though, is that that's actually a concern for me. Interesting. Okay. Because I always fear trying to do the same thing over and over again because you were burnt once. I don't know, see the Chiefs' 25-year draft history without a quarterback. We screwed it up once. Better not take anyone ever because we might screw it up again. I always feel like Dayton wanted an established veteran, and that was a veteran manager because the one time he chose a guy that wasn't a veteran, it went poorly. Yeah, Like, oh, boy, I don't know if Grafal can handle all this job because he's never been a manager before. And really, as we've learned through sports, you got it or you don't. Yeah, It has nothing to do with 
if he had previous experience as a manager. Plenty of previous experience managers go to their next gig and stink. Some, like Trey Hillman, who bombed here, actually go on to have a pretty good managerial career from like a perspective, depending on how you look at the perspective. He went and coached in Japan and did really well, and he was a successful bench coach in Houston. Whatever you want to look at, I always fear that, like, I don't want to make the same mistake twice, but the mistake wasn't that you hired an inexperienced manager. The mistake is that you got the wrong one. Yeah. So, I, I basically, I want to say this. I was down on the Matheny hire. I never minced words on that. I didn't like the hire from day one. After listening to his opening press conference, I'm more open to the idea that he has learned from his previous mistakes than I was previously. And ultimately, that's what he had to do. To win the day, to win the press conference, all he needed to do was for people like me, people like many in our audience probably, who were down on the hire, didn't like the hire, were like, this is a bad idea. I've seen this story in St. Louis. All he had to do was make us a little more open to it. Make us wonder, okay, has he actually learned some things? And if he has, if the things that he said at the press conference earlier this week are true, if he does follow through on those things, he can work here in Kansas City. There's less pressure. It's not the same media market that it is in St. Louis. You cover this team you every day. you got to deal with, like, the five like, of us. It's me, Flanny, Lynn, Alec, and then somebody else. But that's it. Like, for the most part, every day you got to deal with, like, four or five of us. I tried to explain this on the show earlier this week. The media coverage of the Cardinals in St. Louis is unlike anything for any sport, maybe anywhere. Like, it is the only show in town. There is no football team there. Their hockey team, I understand a lot of you guys may look at the Blues as a big deal. In St. Louis, the Blues get the same amount of media coverage as KU does here. Like, that's that's the direct comparison that I can make. The Cardinals are the show. When it is December 3rd and there's hot stove season going on, the Cardinals are the number one talking point on Sports Talk Radio. When it is March 1st and pitchers and catchers are reporting, it is the number one topic in town. When it is March 17th and there's a uh, spring training game going on, it is the number one talking story in town. It is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And so the pressure that was on Matheny there is unlike anything he will see at any point here in Kansas City. And I do think that potentially could be a positive for him as well. Just less pressure is always good, right? Just to, whether you can manufacture that with less pressure or create it naturally like you'll get here. Yeah, that's not going to hurt him in any way. But still, it's – I don't think – you know, the one thing I will say before we yeah. finish this up is – when we're talking about that, I think the one thing that you talk about his time in St. Louis, I don't think that he was in that city has anything to do with people's dismay for him. Like, I don't think that that plays as big of a factor as some would. Like, I've heard some people make the point that the fact that he managed in St. Louis plays some factor in people's disdain here. I'm like, I don't think oh, so. No. I just don't think they like the way it went down in St. Louis. The fact that he was the Cardinals manager, I don't think really matters to anybody. I totally agree. I think it is. He was the Cardinals manager and failed there. And so many people here know Cardinals fans because Cardinals fans are omnipresent, whether it's in Columbia, like yeah. a lot of people go to college. If with anything, Cardinals that's what you should root for more. Like they're <laughs> negative on you. Be like, listen, Cardinals fans. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll suss this out for ourselves. Thanks. He failed there, but he can succeed here. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's going to be here in Kansas city. He's Cody tap. He's going to be in with us for the first hour. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the lead off on six Ten sports radio. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, Matthew Collar of Purple Daily up in Minnesota will join us to help us preview this Vikings game. But coming up next, Chiefs fans, you've lost your ways. This team is still really good when they are this team, and they haven't been for the last month. We'll talk about it next. It is a leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Cody Tapp in with us for the first hour today. He is our Royals insider and <clears throat> Kansas City resident, so he can also talk about the Chiefs. We're going to allow him to do so. I did morning. tweet about them and watch all the games. So you're not just a Royals guy? We, we could also talk football with you? I think so. That's allowed? I like to think, I like to think so. Well, then let's do it. Let's talk a little football right here. Mix it up. So the Chiefs are good. This is going to be an unpopular opinion among some right now. But the Chiefs are a good football team. And I think certain fans have forgotten that the Chiefs are actually a good football team. You know, Ron the Show Hughley actually made a really great point earlier this week. And I was listening to it's a show. It's not nice to say that like he never does. No, I'm not I, <laughs> I, 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 surprised to even me. <laughs> it wasn't surprising, but I like it hit my ears and I was like, yeah, you know, that's a really good point. He said this earlier this week. I was listening. I was like. I agree with that. I agree with everything he just said. Listen to this from Many on the show. Many of you here. have forgotten how explosive and ridiculous this team and this offense can be in five weeks. And many of you have forgotten the reason why you thought that this team could get to a Super Bowl. At no point was it ever, oh, they're going to be a spectacular running team. At no point was it ever, oh, they're going to be a top 15 defense. No, it was because they're the best fireworks show in the National Football League, and you have forgotten. I thought that was a really good point. The Chiefs coming into the season, we were all like, yeah, you know, their corners might stink. I'm really not sure about these linebackers. We'll see if they can get enough of a pass rush. Like, they replace so much on the defensive line. I'm just, I, we'll see. I, it might just come together. Just don't be the worst defense was really everyone. Everybody was like, hey, listen, if you can get to, like, the 20th best defense in the league, this team is going to go undefeated. Like, there was actually talk this offseason about, is 16-0 out of the question if you have the 20th best defense in the league? Hey, guys, they're 17th defensively in the league right now. The problem is... The offense hasn't been what we thought it was going to be. The offense is oh, fifth in the league, which is fine. Their quarterback has a kneecap that was on the side of his knee for the last three weeks. He has a high ankle sprain that's been bothering him since I think the third quarter of the first regular season game. Like if the Chiefs offense, and this is a huge if, can get back to being what it was a year ago. And I think they've got the opportunity, if they're healthy, to actually be even better than that, given the weapons that they have right now. If they can get back to that, Cody, I think this team still has every opportunity to meet all of the expectations that we set for them before the season. They just haven't shown it because of the injuries of late. The, the idea that fifth is bad when they've been starting Matt Moore <laughs> is kind of hilarious. You mentioned the ankle injury, which is mm -hmm. a factor in all of this. The, cre the Here's how you know. Like, you're saying it's a big if if they can be as good. Nah, not for me. I'm good. They'll be just as good. And the reason why is Mahomes. And the reason why I know that for certain is that for, for the opposite reason I've seen people complain the last couple of weeks. I've seen two consecutive weeks of certain fans blaming Andy Reid for the loss. Ah, he's mishandled this. I'm sorry. Maybe it was just me that watched Matt Moore get into a quarterback duel with Aaron Rodgers last week. That happened? And we I, joked, I must have missed this. Wait, that, that, that happened? Yeah. He was in a quarterback duel. He threw for 230 yards and two touchdowns and no picks. Matt Moore. You know all those people who complain about Colin Kaepernick? He hasn't played in three years. Matt Moore hasn't played in two before he just played. He was coaching high school football and hadn't played in, since 2017. He scouted Kyler Murray. That, yeah. that was his job in the spring. He was scouting for an NFL football team. Not throwing a football. No, scouting. Andy Reid has that guy in quarterback duels 
with what is the Packers might be the best team in the NFC. Very arguably are a top five team in the NFL this season. I think they certainly are. And they were in that game until LaShawn McCoy coughed up the football. They were that close from getting some win they have no business getting because they're out without their top offensive player. They're also out their top defensive player. Yep. And have been for the entire season. Top two this week with Frank Clark also being out. Sure. But at least since the beginning. Sure. That stretch. And so if, like, there's no thought for me. When Mahomes comes back and the ankle's right and the knee's good, it's on. Like, it's top five offense, and it's if you can't at least put 30 on the Chiefs' defense, you have a problem. Because for the longest time, that's what it was. You better put at least 30 on the Chiefs if you want to beat them. And I think the second Mahomes comes back, that's my expectation. The defense is better. Like, objectively better than it was a year ago. Except this, for in the run defense, where they're still terrible. Still terrible, but by the numbers, better. You're like, right. They, they, <laughs> they are better than they were a year ago. And the pass defense is significantly better than yes. it was a year ago. The corners are improved. Now, you can still say that they're a weakness. That's perfectly fine. I would actually tend to agree with you. But they are improved from what they were a year ago. Bashad Breeland is a true professional NFL cornerback. Say whatever you want to about him. He's going to hold 20 times a game. That's perfectly fine. He's an NFL caliber cornerback, an average NFL corner. Their safeties. Matthew is like Eric Berry, but he plays. They're good. Like their safeties are actually good at football this year, as opposed to last year where it was a train wreck on the field each and every week. That's because they had to start Sorensen every week. You know that. Like the second you could actually do Matthew and Thornhill, you're like, Oh, this is nice. These are professional football players that actually deserve to play at the position. So the defense is better. And I guess I just wanted to come on this morning because tomorrow could be potentially bad. They're playing against the Vikings, who are a really, really good football team. They could make your offense look worse than it actually is. It wouldn't look that way if Patrick Mahomes was on the field. I'm not expecting he's going to play tomorrow. So it's potentially going to look worse than it will be. But when Mahomes gets back... And when he's healthy, this team, whether they're the three seed, the four seed, the two seed, whatever seed they are in the playoffs, can absolutely accomplish everything that we were expecting for them coming into the year. The reason why they can be better, by the way, is because Tyreek Hill is just as good as he was, right? We know that. I would say better, but yeah. Fine. Arguably better, but at least if no one would argue with equally as good. Travis Kelsey, equally as good. And then Sammy Watkins, based on last year, yeah, he's missed a little time, but back on the field, equally as good. He's actually been better. Although I actually think he's been the same. He's just on the field, and then people forget that he's good when he was on the field last year. But I think you and I agree there. Neither here nor there. Absolutely. But then on top of it, this year they have Miko Hardman, who can play, it he's turns out. really good. He, he's he got the same argument that maybe, you know, we're going to talk to Matthew Collar here in a minute about there. You know, he might have the same argument that Stefan Diggs did earlier in the season, which is, uh, you know, I might need a few extra snaps. You see what I'm doing with him, right? More than nine? Feel like maybe I could have 15 to 20 and really do some damage. And so all that coupled with when Patrick Mahomes returned, yeah, I'd feel fine. The offense is still really good. You have forgotten about the fireworks show, as Ron the Show Hughley said earlier this week. It was a great point. I agree with it. Chiefs fans, keep the keep the faith. It might be tested tomorrow. It very well could be, I think, will be tested tomorrow. But moving forward, the AFC, and we'll get into this a little later on this morning, the AFC starting to come back to you with some of the other injuries that are around the conference right now, and your injuries are starting to get better. So there's a lot, a lot of reason for optimism if you're a Chiefs fan. All right, coming up next, Matthew Collar. He's the host of Purple Daily in in Minnesota. He's on Twitter at Matthew Collar. He covers the Vikings on a day-to-day basis. What exactly are the Chiefs about to welcome into Arrowhead? We will ask him next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. 
The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Download the radio.com app to listen to 610 Sports Radio wherever you are. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Cody Tapp sitting in with us for the first hour of the show. It's going by fast, man. We are already halfway through the first hour of the show. We are very happy to be joined right now by my friend Matthew Collar. He is the host of Purple Daily from 2 to 4 o'clock Central on Score North in Minnesota. He is on Twitter at Matthew Collar. He covers the Vikings up in Minnesota. He's joining us to help us preview this matchup on Sunday. Matthew, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am doing all right. So last time we talked, I tried to get you to uh, get the Vikings to trade us Xavier Rhodes. How's that going up there in Minnesota? I've heard he's struggling this year. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, I was advocating trading Xavier Rhodes in the offseason because I thought that he was going to have a very poor year. And guess what? He's having a very poor year. Um, When you look at by almost any metric, whether you look at the pro football focus grades, whether you look at the quarterback rating when opponents are throwing at him, if you look at the penalties, he's been one of the worst corners in the NFL this year. And, um, you know, I think that that has a lot to do with the injuries that have piled up. And when you look at the history of cornerbacks who are the size of Xavier Rhodes, once they lose that one step, um, it becomes very hard for them to make up for it. And then we're also than they ever had before, which is really hurting Xavier Rhodes. I mean, he was always at the top of the league because of just the way he plays, very physical, using his length and his strength to slow down receivers. But And now the referees aren't letting him really use his fact that he's lost his step. And it's actually become one of the Vikings' biggest weaknesses is their cornerback play, which has not ever been the case before under Mike Zimmer. So that's interesting you mentioned that, Matthew. The the strength of the Chiefs is obviously the passing game. They're not a great running team right now. And even with Matt Moore last week, they decided to opt for more passing, less running, and they, they, they believed that that was their best game plan to win. Are you saying that against the Vikings, the best game plan to win, once again, will be trying to throw through the air even if Matt Moore is under center? Yeah, no, I absolutely think that it is. And where a lot of teams have had success against the Vikings is in the short passing game. The Vikings uh, rank right now 18th in quarterback rating against, which is extremely unusual. They've ranked either third or fourth uh, every year over the last four years under Mike Zimmer. So to have teams completing a very high percentage of their passes and having success through the air um, doesn't usually happen a lot. But Trey Wayne's has not had a great year. Xavier Rhodes has not had a great year. And, you know, opponents, even Washington, when they, when they played against them on Thursday night, found ways to move the ball kind of methodically down the field with shorter passes because they could just get open uh, and kind of hold on to the ball for a long time. We even saw that in the Vikings' loss against Chicago when Chase Daniel had to come in the game and then all of a sudden Chicago had to switch to a short passing game and uh, that day they had a quarterback who could execute it. <clears throat> Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, we've seen teams actually be able to successfully throw the ball against the Vikings, and I think this matchup is going to be pretty tough considering the weapons that Kansas City has. I know on the flip side, everybody knows what Dalvin Cook has done and how bad the Chiefs' defense uh, has been for much of it, but in the absence of Thielen, even when, like, he was coming towards that end, plus Kirk Cousins playing well, it seems like Stefan Diggs, has completely shown up on the end of his early season, maybe complaints about the way he was being used in the offense. If Thielen were to go, and I guess tell me how close he is, what, you know, how are they going to regulate how much time Diggs gets considering how good he's looked for the Vikings? 
Yeah, I think they're going to walk a fine line with Adam Thielen because they know how valuable he is, but they also know that this is a big game and he's going to be a, a game-time decision, so we'll see there. I tend to always push toward, and I would do this if I were the Chiefs with Mahomes, giving guys more rest, making sure they're 100%, because last year the Vikings tried to push um, Delvin Cook when he had a hamstring injury. They did the old, we're going to put him on a snap count sort of thing, and then guess what? He re-aggravated it, and he was out uh, even longer, and they don't want to make that same mistake with Adam Thielen because he's such an integral part of the offense. But I think what Stephon Diggs did over the last four weeks was basically send a message to the Vikings and to the league that you know he is a true number one wide receiver who's been a 1A or a 1B to Adam Thielen because it's a great tandem and they split the throws uh, between the two guys. But if Diggs is the one that your shutdown corner tries to lock onto, Diggs is going to win that matchup. And, and he's always known that and believed that. And I think that that was a huge part of his frustration was you know, when you're building an offense around a running game and not around the two wide receivers that are Pro Bowl caliber that had 100 catches each last year, um, you know, that's really not the way to win in 2019. And I think that was his biggest frustration. And then there's, you know, some ancillary things, too, of, you know, can Kirk Cousins ever show up in a big game? That still has yet to be shown since he's been a Minnesota Viking. And then there's, you know, the, the contract that Diggs signed was probably way too team-friendly last year. So there's a, you know, other things that are kind of floating around in the air, but I think his main beef was, why aren't you throwing it to the guys who can get you the biggest plays? Well, it turns out he was right. <laughs> they started throwing him uh, the ball, and look at his last three weeks, seven catches each, each game and over 140 yards each game, which is uh, the first guy to do that since Randy Moss. So he's in pretty good company and, and really did put his money where his mouth is. We're talking with Matthew Collar. He's the host of Purple Daily on Score North in Minnesota. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Collar. He joins us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Just a couple minutes left with you, Matthew. I am curious, over the last couple of weeks, the Chiefs have really kind of formed a defensive identity by blitzing the hell out of the last two opponents with the uh, Packers and the Broncos. It was super effective against the Broncos, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work against the Packers with Aaron Rodgers on the other sideline. And then it worked again against the Packers. If they employ that same style of a game this week by blitzing the living hell out of Kirk Cousins, is that something that can be effective against this Vikings team? I don't think it can uh, because Kirk Cousins is number one in the NFL in quarterback rating when he's blitzed. And if you look at his career, that's been the case for most of it. I think Kirk Cousins' biggest strength is being able to read a defense, know exactly where everything is going to be, uh, where the openings are going to be, where his hot routes are going to be. And uh, as long as that blitz doesn't get home and he has time to throw the ball, he is an excellent thrower of the football. I think the best way to shake Kirk Cousins is to get interior pressure early in the game. So if Chris Jones is out there, then that would be the guy that I would be focusing on with the Vikings because when I, I've seen teams try to blitz him, usually he's great at picking it up. Now the one advantage that Kansas City's going to have is Arrowhead Stadium so even if Cousins is good at spotting where the blitz is, that doesn't mean that he's able to effectively communicate that to everyone that needs to pick up that blitz. I mean, I think it's a good strategy for Kansas City at home to send extra guys. But when you're sending extra guys, that means you're leaving Stephon Diggs one-on-one, potentially Adam Thielen one-on-one. It opens you up to throws to the running back, as you saw quite a bit from uh, Aaron yeah. Jones last week and those big plays. And, and I think it would be playing a little bit into the Vikings' hands to blitz against Kirk Cousins because that's one of his biggest strengths. 
Have you seen an effective method for slowing down Dalvin Cook if they're trying to go that route instead? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, figured that was the answer. No, there, there really isn't. You know why? Because you can't tackle him. I mean, I, I seems I, important, I Matthew. About that, that is important. That is important. <laughs> uh, the, the comparisons to him, you know, maybe like Priest Holmes is who he reminds me of. He's a guy who can do absolutely everything. Catch the ball. He can pick up blitzes. And once he's got that ball in his hands, it's really tough to bring him down because he's a great combination of shifty and powerful. And, and so if you hit Delvin Cook after two yards, he's getting a five-yard gain usually. And that's what makes him so difficult. And then the fact that he can break a big play out of almost anything. I mean, Mike Zimmer said a couple of weeks ago he scored a touchdown against Detroit. It was a run from the two-yard line. He said that's the most impressive two-yard run I've seen in a really mm-hmm. long time. And that's because Delvin Cook broke through three tackles, dodged the guy, and then went into the end zone. And, and you know, there really is no answer for him. It's just, you know, I think that if you're a smart defense going against the Vikings, the answer, though, is to probably say it's very hard in 2019 for a running back alone to beat us. So if you try to make a running back beat you as opposed to a passing game, you've probably got a better chance. If you, if you say, we're, we're not letting Delvin Cook beat us, so we're going to send extra linebackers in there and we're going to rush after him every time, well, the, then the Vikings are going to run play actions and get guys wide open down the field. And that's been the last four weeks is basically opposing teams trying to shut down Delvin Cook and chasing after him all day while Kirk Cousins is bootlegging outside and throwing to a one-on-one Stephon Diggs for a 50-yard game. So I, I think if you try to make the Vikings do it five yards at a time on the ground, you've got a much better shot than you do if they do it 50 yards through the air to Stephon Diggs. The Chiefs have certainly tested that theory this year, Matthew. Uh, final question for you really quickly. What is your prediction for this game? You taking the Vikings? I am taking the Vikings. I'm going on the assumption that Matt Moore is going to play and not Patrick Mahomes. It's a fair one. But not, not, not in the blowout. I mean, I, I think that this one has a close game written all over. could be very, very similar to the game against the Packers, maybe a one-score game. And I, I think there will be a good amount of scoring in this one. Something like 31-24 or something in that ballpark. He's Matthew Collar. You can hear him. He's the host of Purple Daily from 2 to 4 o'clock on Score North in Minnesota. You can follow him on Twitter as well. He's a great follow, at Matthew Collar. Matthew, we always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. That's Matthew Collar of Score North in Minnesota joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. All right, so I want to react to something he had to say. We'll get to that on the other side. Plus... I have a couple of baseball questions that I want to get to with Cody before we get him out of here. What's the plan with Alex Gordon for the Royals next year? And let's take an early look at the hot stove season. Are they actually going to be players in free agency this time around? We'll get to it all coming up. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Cody Tapp joining us in studio. She's got like 15 minutes left. This went by fast, man. Faster than normal, I hope. A- absolutely. Uh, we will hope to have Cody tap in soon once again. All right, so wanted to quickly react to something that Matthew Caller had to say. He, If you missed it, he was fantastic. He hosts a show up in Minnesota. He helped us preview the Vikings game. He said, basically, I wouldn't plan on blitzing in this game because Kirk Cousins is the single best quarterback this year in the NFL when it comes to attacking the blitz. Okay, well, that's problematic because the entire defensive identity this season for the Chiefs, at least the last couple of weeks, has been, eh, 
We're throwing everything out the window. We're blitzing the living hell out of you, and that's going to be our plan of attack. It's funny because they changed defensively when Mahomes went down. Same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, well, we got to be more aggressive on defense, boys. We can't just outscore him, so got to make something happen. And if you're back with more behind, you got to think that that's probably what they're thinking again. And I would be totally down with it. Like, I got to be honest with you. I totally understand where Matthew Collar was coming from in terms of, like, in the past, this has not been a plan of success, right? But the Chiefs' defense, to and to get some pressure on the quarterback, they're getting Chris Jones back, so that helps. But if Frank Clark can't go, their edge rushers tomorrow are going to be some combination of Emmanuel Ogba and Tano Passanio and what? Like, who's the other guy that's coming off of the edge? It might just be those two for almost enti- 100% yeah. of the snaps tomorrow because Alex Okafor is out. Frank Clark is likely to be out, maybe going to be out. We're not entirely sure what's going on with his neck injury right now. So there's not a whole lot of edge pressure that's going to be coming their way. You've got to find a way to pressure Kirk Cousins. And this year, that's been really difficult for opposing teams, unlike what we've seen in the past for Minnesota. Well, maybe you do blitz, but you run blitz. Maybe you just try to take out the other angle and sit back and hope Cousins makes a mistake. And he's been really good the last month. I think he was NFC Offensive Player of the Year. So he's he's riding a hot streak. But even still, I feel like eh, maybe we'll just try to take away this one thing. That was what Belichick always does. That's what we always pride him for, his ability to take away the thing you love the most. Like, I don't care what it is. What do you love the most in your offense? All right, I'm going to eliminate that. Now let's see what you are. And we know for a fact what the Vikings love the most is Dalvin Cook. So if they can slow that down, like maybe they don't blitz Cousins and instead they just run blitz the hell out of them. Knowing that that's coming in the early going and put him in some third and sevens and let Cousin go. They're done. Yeah, Cook I was about to say. Cook is still really good. That's so. the problem is like the run yeah. defense is still bad. Like regardless of what you try to do, the run defense is bad. So it, listen, however we want to discuss it, this is a really tough matchup for the Chiefs. Like wh- whether they had Mahomes or not, Mahomes makes it easier because Mahomes is the answer to all questions. Yeah. But this is always was always going to be a difficult matchup for the Chiefs. All right. Speaking of difficult, let's put together the offseason plan for the Royals. Okay. Let's make the Royals contenders again, okay? I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. Let's get them as close as we can. Let's do it. Under So they signed Garrett Cole and Rendon. <laughs> okay. We're, 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 so far, we've spent half a billion dollars, and we're close to being in contention. So there was some really interesting news the other day. Alex Gordon accepted his mutual option. The Royals declined his mutual option. So Alex Gordon right now not going to be a part of the 2020 Royals. But I'm curious, um, you cover the team, you know them well. What are you expecting with Alex Gordon? Is he going to be a part of the Royals in 2020? If Are they going to be able to come to some sort of agreement, in your opinion? First, that's procedural. Yeah, of He course. has to accept to get his $3.5 million. They have to decline because they're not going to pay him $20 million because that's crazy for what he brings to the table currently. It's not saying he hasn't earned it over the course of his career, but you don't pay Alex Gordon at this stage of his career. The amount of money he was due. So that is purely procedural. Has no factor on whether or not he'll be back for the Royals or not. I still lean towards, I go back and forth, yes for him coming back. And that's, I guess, because he played well enough this year to prove that he wasn't a burden. And that always felt like the way he spoke about it. He didn't just want to be this dead weight bringing everything down. I don't think he's lost his love for baseball. I think he just started to feel like a burden. And last year was the first time in a few years he didn't feel that way. So I still lean towards yes, but I honestly, I, you know, everything I've, you know, 
no decision's been made, at least at this stage. I think he wants a little more time with it. But that should be probably coming down pretty soon because you need to know that before you go into actual off-season decisions. Because if you have an extra left fielder, then you need to make a decision on what you're doing with the rest of your roster. It has a huge impact on how they attack free agency because I do think that they'll play a little factor in there. So, all right, let's go down the path. Let's let's assume that he's back, right? Let's assume that they sure. find a way to bring him back six million bucks somewhere around there. That's probably ballpark. Yep. He, they they get a deal worked out with him, six right? To nine, a reasonable, marketable deal where Gordo's back and it's probably his last year with the team, and they do the farewell tour, all of that. Are the Royals going to be players in free agency? I think this is last year. I totally understood. I disagreed with some of the specific moves that they made, but I understood why they weren't big players in free agency last year. It seems like if you think that you're going to be on the upswing here pretty soon, if you believe that, okay, this was the bottoming out, and now you're starting to get back on the up and up, this would seem like the perfect year to start kind of being a player again in free agency. But do you expect them to do that? I do, and the reason why is because of Sherman. Had you told me that Glass was still the owner, Dayton was still the GM, I'd have thought, mm, no, they'll probably play close to the vest. They'll they'll get involved in some $5 million players or $6 million players. But I think Sherman's going to want his name known. And if the Royals really do want to do what they keep saying, which is sustained success, that comes on the front end too. It's not like you're just good automatically and just stay good forever. When you're supposed to be not as good, you got to find a way to be competitive. And an easy way to, to shift that in the Royals' favor is medium-priced free agents, which is where I actually think the value in baseball free agency is anyway. The mistake people make are like, I'm going to sign a bunch of $3 million players. The Royals legitimately spent $24 million on $3 million players, between 3 and $8 million players, right? They gave Billy Hamilton $5.5 million, whose option was declined yesterday. Stunned. Um, but it was when... You know, they gave away $24 million on players that didn't really make it to the end of the year with them, spending it in these little nuggets. And when you're trying to fill out the rest of a roster because you don't have a minor league system that's caught up to AAA, you get stuck in that spot, which I do. Now they don't have that. They have enough of a major league roster coupled with enough of a AAA, AA system with people that will backfill the rest that instead of spending on five smaller free agents, I think you might see a medium name come into free agency for them at a medium price. I know that sounds silly, but the value we know is not giving someone $250, $300 million. It stinks at that level. It's really hard to succeed there. It's hard to find value at one for three. Like, I know we talked about what a great deal Anthony Rendon was. He was one for 18, not three, 18. So I think you might actually start seeing some of those middle price free agents. We talked about, like, Nicholas Castellanos Mm -hmm. or others, but I think this is the year where you start to see them spend in that what I think is kind of the perfect range of free agent spending where you got to take a little more risk for the money you're spending, but the upside is so much greater. So Castellanos is a really interesting name. I would throw in Yasiel Puig as somebody that I would be stunned if they actually go after, but I would be interested in seeing them go after three years, 15 to 17 a year, probably is kind of what you're looking at. There would be my guess. Like that type of market. It'd be fun. It'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. And like the other thing about Puig is, Listen, he takes some bad routes to balls, but he's got a hell of an arm. He's got a cannon of an arm. And right now the Royals, like if you look at where they could add first base, third base, outfield, probably in terms of the position players are the spots where you're going to be looking at, right? Sure. That would be and the a backup. They still need 
a utility infielder that can cover everything if they're not thinking it's Nicky. If Nicky's permanently at second, although with Witt at second, Nicky becomes your backup to Mondesi. So, you know, something in that range, yes. So position-wise, that's probably what you're looking at. I'm really interested to see if they get involved in any of the starting pitching market. Which is where they need to be involved the most. And I think some people shudder, right? Because you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. you just been spending this whole time telling me about Singer and Coar and Lynch and Bubich. And yeah, that all sounds nice. But rotations tend to have some sort of mix in there. And that's what you, what, of the Royals rotation. I'm the Royals insider. The Royals rotation. How many guys are you sure are starters on a playoff team? I'm very confident that Keller is. Like, at this point, I, I feel like we kind of know that's the right answer. mostly what Keller is. I think you could get by with Duffy as being in the rotation. Correct. And I think that's the end of the list. It is. And Junis could be, based on some historic, you know, like some of his numbers stacked up in his early career versus, like, Guthrie's. He might end up being a Guthrie. Sure. Yeah, like, at best, five. He's your number five starter. In the playoffs. And I think that your hope is is that all the starting talent you have push him down the list a little bit. Sure. That's where you're aiming with. And so I think that that's why they have to be in the starting pitching game. From the same reason you're talking about, I don't think they have enough of the answers yet. And there's a lot of guys on the market this offseason, too. That's the other thing. Like, they're not going to be in on Strasburg. They're not going to be in on Garrett Cole. Like, they're not in that market. But if you go to the next level, right, the Dallas Keuchels of the world, the Jake Odorizzi's of the world, like, that level, I think you could get in on one of those guys for one, two, maybe three-year deal, kind of a bridge guy, if 30, nothing else. 30 $40 million. It's perfect. And, and, again, the Duffy part is even better because if you get a pitcher to replace him in the rotation, then he gets to go to the bullpen, and you're solving a different problem because we know he's successful in the bullpen. We know he likes pitching in the bullpen, and you get to help solve a different problem back there. The name I brought up in the break that we were kind of bandying about was uh, Wade Miley. That's another guy who bring in. He's probably more of a one to two year deal guy. Probably Bring him in. He's a qualified. We were talking about with the Chiefs, legitimate NFL football players that were like on the roster now as opposed to last year defensively. That's what the Royals need. The Royals need professional pitchers. They need guys that can come in and throw 170 to 190 innings and do so with a sub-5 ERA and get you through the regular season. Like, get you back to respectability on the pitching side of things so you can actually evaluate the rest of the roster. And he's in his early 30s, so a two-year deal that bridges the gap and then you get to make the decision or sign the next Wade Miley in free agency, great. If you want to be competitive right now, go Wade Miley. I just think it's a year too soon for, like, the big move, right? If they were going to make a big play in free agency, this is a year too soon. So to wrap things up here with you, are you under the impression that Sherman would like to get this back to being respectable quicker? Yeah, it matters to him. And he spent money. He helped them spend money in Cleveland. He, the second he showed up, more money started getting spent in free agency on better players. So that could have just been he brought cash to the table. They're like, cool money to spend. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. But I think that he had some influence on that. And, and by the way, them to be there now they're spending less money. Like I, I find that interesting is like when he was on his way out and it sounds like this has been in the, in the works for he was a, a while. Cash infusion for them. They 
eventually, yeah. like basically over the last calendar year, have started spending less. They have gotten rid of some of those guys that they spent on before when he was involved. And now those guys, a lot of them, are either gone or are on the process of, on the way of going out. So I find that interesting and as well. And when he spent was on the upswing when they were trying to maintain playoff respectability. So if you think you're close, this is about the time you start shelling out a little. And they might be two or three years away, but these could be the bridge guys that get you to the guys that ultimately get you to where you want to go, if nothing else, right? Yes, you, you have to be more respectable. <laughs> like, I know that, like, the lose out, get the top draft picks, but good organizations have proved. That's a myth. Good organizations have proven that you can find good players later in the draft if you scout and develop them well. The Astros, a pretty good example of that. Absolutely. He's Cody Tapp. We have really enjoyed having him in the first hour of the show here today on The Leadoff. Cody, thanks so much for hopping in. No problem. Thanks, BK. Absolutely. It is The Leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We got Grant on the other side of the glass. We have another hour to go for you guys today. Coming up next, I think Chiefs fans should be more optimistic, not less optimistic about what this team is after they lost last weekend. And Sammy Watkins agrees with me. Well, to play what he had to say coming up, it is The Leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.